Today's show is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs, 24-7 live support, and access to over 300 branches on or near military bases. Visit NavyFederalCredit.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. Ringer NFL show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. You are exhausted from a particularly stressful spinning class this morning. I spent. I spent. I did a spin class this morning. It was not the right choice. It was a little early. My body. I've been on West. Co- I'm here right now. Yeah, by the way, I, I know. Just, just throwing it out there. Uh, it, I've been on West Coast time since last Thursday. Sure. I went to my best friend's wedding in Sedona, Arizona, but I I don't think I'm totally acclimated to it quite yet. So it was definitely an ambitious choice that I'm kind of regretting already. Okay, great. Uh, but I'm here. It's Thursday. We have an underwhelming slate of games this week. I guess well, the Thursday game is the, the best Thursday game, game of the is week. amazing. I'm going to that game tonight, which I'm excited about. That's well, exciting. You and I don't really go to NFL games during the regular season. So, because I can't on Sundays, and a Thursday game is really my only opportunity, and this is a really good one. So, I was like, oh, I'm in LA, I might as well go. That's fantastic. So, I'll be doing that. We will talk about the Thursday game later. It will not be one of our three games of the week, because uh, we want to save those for the Sunday game, so you guys have a little time to listen to them. We will be breaking that game down a tiny bit. But, first off, as we do on every Thursday, let's get into the headlines. I would say the biggest story that emerged over the last week is definitely the, not the last two, but but two of the rookie quarterbacks finally getting the starting nods. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen have been officially named the starters in Cleveland and Arizona. So let's chat about this a little bit. I mean, yeah. obviously we saw the Baker stuff in action. You know, he played for an entire half of that game, a good chunk of the second quarter. Their offense transformed. They won the game. I mean. It felt like even before the Tyrod Taylor injury, this was becoming an inevitability for Cleveland. So, it's funny. I was um, revisiting an interview I had with John Dorsey a couple of weeks ago for a story that ran on Tuesday. And in it, he talks about the spread offense, talking about Baker Mayfield, and he, he stops. And it's something I hadn't noticed before in the interview. He stops when he's talking about everything else, and he just says, wait until you see it. And he's referring to Baker Mayfield because he had spent a lot of time talking about his release. He was like, wait until you see it. And I've never really heard anybody say it like that. Yeah. And it, when it, that's really funny. Those, those are fun interview moments when like the, the tone changes yeah. in that way. Yeah. So he said, wait until you see it. Yeah. And that was on, I listened to that on Monday. And so this was, you know, five days after Mayfield had made his debut and, and gives them their first win since, since uh, 2016. It's and actually been since 2000. It's the first win of the millennium. First, yeah. yeah. First yeah. win in 20 years. And it's, it's everything we hoped it could be. It was accuracy. It was a quick release. It was, you know, we talked so much about how Baker Mayfield is sort of a football miracle in the sense that he is, you know, Drew Brees' height. He is not a prototypical 
quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. Yet, because of the era he plays in, because teams are more open about this stuff and and don't have the same dumb rules they did 10 years ago, Baker Mayfield is the first overall pick. And now we're finding out why. He is just, he is electric in a way that even surprised me in that game. When Mayfield was coming out, the concern about him was, how is he going to do in a world with tight windows? Because that Oklahoma offense was so well-designed, so well-schemed that he was just throwing into these oceans of space. He's accurate, yes, but when the space and when the throwing lanes became tighter, how was he going to do? Yeah. And that was the cool thing on Thursday, is just watching him fit these throws into non-existent windows. And his confidence is undeniable in many ways. Watching that confidence manifest itself with him just throwing these like rockets into these alleys of space that don't exist was amazing. Well, and and also for some reason, the offense, it would just seem more creative when he up. was in there. I mean, they're running the Philly it, it special unlocked. all of a sudden, even yes. though Mayfield ran it in Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley did not see it. They're at, running RPOs. They're running RPOs. Like, yeah, it's just like, I mean, and, and also, I mean, I would say that Rosen looked like this too, where it's, I, I know that it shouldn't happen, but everyone looked energized. Yes. That, but that does happen. But I don't know why it happens. I have always been a Tyrod Taylor supporter. I think that he has talents. I yeah. think that that offense did not use them. I think that he looked significantly worse in Cleveland than he ever did in Buffalo because they're asking him to do stuff that doesn't that, that's not conducive to who he is as a player. And that's not his fault. He also played poorly. It was probably over. What Baker does is he allows them to run the offense they clearly want to run. So they, they ran one RPO, and I, I can't remember the exact scenario. I think it was the Joku as they ran like kind of a, a, a they ran a, an outside run to the right, and he flipped it back to the left. Yeah. And it reminded me of this conversation I had with a college coach this summer. I believe it was the head coach at Princeton who does a lot of really cool, innovative stuff on offense. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how the RPO movements are very similar to a shortstop turning a double play. Mm-hmm. They have this kind of turn of the body that it, you have to have this torque to you. And it's interesting because as the game has changed in the NFL and football in general, we have a lot of the best athletes playing quarterback now where they didn't used to. Right. What position do the best athletes in high school baseball play? Shortstop, Shortstop and pitcher. So the, those movements are very natural to the best athletes often. And watching Baker do that, it was that just fluid, smooth transition that he was describing to me. And it was just one of those moments that completely illustrates why he is the perfect quarterback for the modern NFL. I had to hesitate when you asked me that question about shortstop because I was hoping the answer was the same as well as 15 years ago. The, the last time I, 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 I hope it still is. <laughs> That's my answer because I haven't looked at high school the baseball in 15 guys, years. No, the analytics guys have changed it now. Well, he's just, actually the left fielder it's, now. Yeah, shifted, it's, it's a left fielder in a, a dramatic shift. Because of the of yeah, fly, the, fly it, ball analysis. It, it's the short left fielder yeah. when they put two left it's, fielders it's, out there. And they did fly ball analysis. Yeah, that, that's my assumption based now, on what and it's, it's always also, they're, they're like the, They're bullpenning it now, so they just have three left fielders Yeah, a game. it's actually the yeah the, the best players play the uh, three-inning mm-hmm. closer. That, yeah. that, that's what the best baseball players do now. Well, oh, you still watch baseball. Well, yeah. Oh, God. Let's not get into the Cubs. It's been miserable. What but, they do? Uh, they won last night. but they This doesn't sound miserable. They almost tore my heart out. They were up 6-2, to two and they blew the save in the 10th in the ninth and had to win in the bottom of the 10th inning. I, yeah, I feel like you act like the Cubs never won a World Series. You know what? It's I, I really should 
be not as concerned about it as I am. I should, we should, the five year window exists. It's just been, I think for the Cubs, like a 20 year window. It's, it's been a frustrating year based on the talent that they have. That's all I will say. All right. Let's get to Rosen briefly. Sure. Um, completely different scenario. He throws seven passes, throw seven passes, uh, one and a half interceptions, one that actually happened, one that got called back because of a Cleo Mack offsides, but should have been a game ceiling pick six. Uh, I mean, obviously he doesn't light the world on fire the way that Baker did, but it just, they needed a change. My thing about Rosen is more just the fucking farce about us, like, pretending that these guys aren't going to start. The Rosen thing is insane. They paid Sam Bradford $20 million this season to be the starting quarterback. You know what? I'm not complaining about Sam Bradford's money. Get your money, Sam Bradford. What are we doing? Like you picked a guy in the top ten, he's gonna play. It's I'm so beyond this now. The only reason that Lamar Jackson is not in the game is because he was the end of a he was picked at the end of the first round, and Joe Flacco has like the second highest cap hit in the NFL. It's insane that you pay a quarterback twenty million dollars when you know that you have a guy waiting on the bench that's better than him. Yeah, the uh, $20 million is very strange to me. I remember talking to somebody who knows Sam Bradford last year after the last injury, and they are like, you know, at some point, Bradford is just knowing Bradford, knowing that he has interest outside of football. You know, At some point, you know, maybe it's time for him to start thinking about going somewhere else, you know, doing something else, maybe stepping away, he's made enough money, whatever. Just He's apparently an amazing golfer. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, he's apparently an amazing this. golfer. He's, without Romo, he's probably number one yeah. in the golf power rankings but, among quarterbacks. And so the theory was maybe he would just step aside. Nope, nope. Cardinals gave him $20 million. Like, I, I I saw him sort of in the the normal quarterback progression thing, even though he's only 30 years old, because he's had so many injuries, I thought it was going to be like he'd get $4 million this year, then he'd do like the rookie minimum in 2019, and then he'd be out of the league in 2020. That's sort of the, the, the path I saw for him. But the $20 million he got this year changed the trajectory to where I think he could still be in the league for another five years. He is the lowest. He has the lowest yards per catch in the NFL. Five. How That's much, not how even much, possible. How much, how much cap space do you think the Cardinals currently have for this season? I, I couldn't. I could not begin to tell you. So you'd assume if you give a stopgap quarterback twenty million dollars, that the answer is somewhere around yeah twenty five thirty seven million. Seven million dollars the Cardinals have right now. With Sam Bradford's $10.6 million cap hit. Down. I mean, they gave Justin Pugh that huge contract. They did what they needed to do to kind of get that offensive line better. I would say, arguably, they signed the best free agent interior offensive lineman. He has not played well. They have no receivers. Yeah, like, no. what would the Cardinals look like if Albert Wilson was there right now? Sam Bradford... As I said, five, point yards, yard, five, five yards per attempt, not catch, I misspoke there. Rating of 62 in his three games. What did you expect from Sam Bradford? Four interceptions in three games. Here's the other part about this. And it was part of my concern going into the season. It was part of my reticence about this team in general. I had no reason to have any faith in this coaching staff. Mm. Zero. Mm. Steve Wilkes is a first-year head coach. He was the coordinator on a very bland defense with a head coach who has a huge hand in how that defense works. Mike McCoy has not been successful in a very long time as an offensive coordinator. Can we get Mike McCoy Google to find out who David Johnson is? 
what are they doing? You have, and it's not as if this is a franchise that has soured on David Johnson because it's a new regime. They just made him the second most, the second highest paid running back in the NFL after Todd Gurley. And they are not using him. He's so absurdly talented. You have no other players on your offense aside from Larry Fitzgerald. It just, it makes no sense whatsoever. I would rather throw You're gonna yank- I would rather throw to David Johnson on like 75% of plays than what they're doing right now. I'd rather be like, you know what? We're gonna telegraph everything we do. We're just gonna throw it to David Johnson, gonna make plays. I'd rather do that than this three three targets a game. You yanked David Johnson on the most important play of the game against the Bears because you needed to scold him about a pass blocking mistake and put Chase Edmonds in. Great stuff. Jesus Christ. All right. One more bit of news before we move on to the take shops of the week. Uh, Joey Bosa, we should have seen this coming when the and the you know all the noise was happening about the injury. It was a foot injury. We weren't sure. It wasn't serious. Then he missed the game. Then he missed two. Joey Bosa apparently out through week eight. And two things about this. One, at least, at least through week eight. One. His brother's also out at Ohio State. It, through November also. Are they hanging out? I think maybe they're just chilling. Like their mom is like planning a vacation yeah. because his their mom is the one that told reporters about his brother. Oh, did she accidentally book like a Hawaiian deal? I, I think and they, 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 they just had like a non-refundable oh, flight no. somewhere and they had to go. Oh, no. And Joey, uh, Joey's like, Ma, I play hmm. for the Chargers. Like I can't go. And she's like, no, they that's not how this works. already put the deposit down. Marriott doesn't give it back. <laughs> so one... This is absurd. Two, we saw what the Chargers defense looks like right now. And I think it's just we need to remember. I think in the NFL this tends to happen because players get hurt so often. And there's such a vacillation of who the best players in the league are that we can forget how good certain guys are. I think that Mm -hmm. happened with like Odell Beckham last year. You know, with J.J. Watt, whatever. Mm -hmm. Joey Bosa is really, really, really good. Very good. And losing him changes the complexion of your offense. Think about what's happening in Chicago right now, what Khalil Mack does to that team. Everything about the defense can change with a dominant pass rusher. And without Joey Bosa, this defense starts to slowly unravel. And against the Rams, anyone's going to have a hard time. But I feel like they're going to have a difficult go of it without him. And now he's out for half the season. We're going to look back on this Chargers team in four years and think about how much talent they had and how they were never able to make the playoffs to seriously contend and we're going to scratch our heads because Derwin James is going to be a star. Joey Bose is going to be a star. Philip Rivers, we will look back on his career very fondly. Melvin Gordon is having his moment right now. Keenan He's Allen. He's a good player without a lot of help in the yeah, offensive line Ke- right Ke- now. Keenan Allen is, uh, is going to is a, a star time. and will be a star in four years. And I think that part of it is just the Chargers organization just never could put it together. But beyond that, I mean, I just, this is the unluckiest franchise. We've, we've said it a million times. And and Bosa, this is such a weird injury. We didn't even know about it until the week. Basically, it was like, well, he's got a hurt foot. Oh, wait, he's in a walking boot. Oh, he's out for half the season. Do they have doctors there? I'm starting to wonder if they do, actually. It's really, really bad. What do they, is Philip, is, what's going on here? Let's do an exercise. Oh, okay. Swap the Chargers coaching staff and medical staff with the Rams. Okay. How many games did the Chargers win? Do the Rams have a really good medical staff? I don't know. It's better than the Chargers. What about no? What about the, the Phoenix Suns medical the Rams staff from have ten years a ago? Medical staff. Um, yeah, 
If you give them doctors, they're right back in this thing. Doctors and Sean McVay. Oh, if they had Sean McVay, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's a completely different. If you the Rams coaching staff and medical staff okay. swapped with the Chargers medical staff and coaching okay. staff. Okay. Wait, what if Sean McVay had to be the doctor too? That's better than that's what's going yes. on with the Chargers yes. right now. Yes. If you, they would win two more games a year if Sean McVay were their doctor and head coach. Sean McVay's positive energy would be the best medical situation that's been that's going Without on in the Chargers death. franchise also, in three years. Also, he could years. just learn medicine. He would How never he, go through medical school. Just has, in the summer, he clearly has an incredible memory. He could just learn medicine. Sean McVay goes to medical school for the three months in the off season instead of going with his beautiful yeah. girlfriend to his like, the, Mexican you know resort. The, you know the old line about how Bear Bryant could take your players and beat you, or take his players and beat you, and then take your players and beat you. Like the, Sean McVay could could beat you, and then he could take your entire team. And make them medically better. Just touch them. Just touch his them. healing hands. Just touch them. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's get to the take shop let's. of the week. These are the takes that we're not quite ready to say with, you know, full force. We're still working on them. Still, still tweaking them a little bit. Uh, Kevin, what is your take shop as we head into week four here? San Francisco 49ers. Now, there's a famous story about it's in Ron Jaworski's very good book. Where he goes to a practice and he sees Tom Moore, the at that point the Colts offensive coordinator, and Gruden and Jaws say to Tom Moore, "Why isn't Peyton's backup getting any reps?" And Moore says, "Well, because Peyton, if Peyton goes down, we're fucked, and we don't practice fucked." Now, there's a couple of evidence, pieces of evidence to the contrary that teams are not necessarily. Fucked. You mean like a team winning the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback last year, like Nick Foles? And there's a couple of other pieces where um, that just you know, hey, we, we did okay with the backup. The Niners would not be one of them. I saw the stat yesterday. I don't know, man. I'm a CJ Beathard guy. Yeah, I, because I, I because I have to play him in the Ringer Fantasy Football League, so I, I become a CJ Beathard guy. Uh, I believe I saw a stat the other day. I think it was Eric Branch. 14 preseason drives, 10 punts. One of those was a pick, as well. Um, not good. And so what I'm saying is the 49ers are, by Tom Moore's definition, fucked. Uh, they should tank. They should just not, they shouldn't sign a veteran, which is, it seems like if they sign a veteran, it's going to be sort of bottom of the roster guy. Is Tom Savage the right tanking move? Absolutely. I would argue this. Absolutely. So the way you can do it, you know, in the NBA, you have to sort of massage the tank. Oh, this guy's got a hyperextended knee. He's out for three months instead of three weeks, that kind of thing. I've, I'm an Orlando Magic fan. I've seen some incredible tanking maneuvers. Oh, I, I've seen some but, recent tanking with my Chicago Bulls. But they're Bulls. kind of, they're on accident. They're just, we have a bunch of bad players, and this is what happens when you have bad players kind of thing. And I think the 49ers can go with C.J. Beathard. Um, they've got other injuries. Richard Sherman is out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Sherman wants to get back on the field because he has those per-game bonuses, which is a, a different story. But I think and he that, should get back on the field. Just I, I would like yeah, him to play if absolutely. he wants to play. I, yeah. I also just love Richard Sherman. It's exactly. Like if the guy wants to play, I would love to, for Richard Sherman to be so on the field. I, it's also a deal where he does not have a lot of guaranteed after this year. I would like him to play well so he continues to get paid. Absolutely. So what I'm saying is the Niners should lose as many games as possible and hope they get a top pick. 
you have a. Are we going to go over the your your theory on Justin Herbert, the the Oregon do you quarterback? Do want to do this now? No, I don't actually. Let's, let's do, do this later. Okay, I mean, let's do this so, at a different time. He's he's being buzzed about. As, I have never seen Justin Herbert play football. I just want to no. let that be known right now. This is not about Justin Herbert's talent. Okay. It's, it's an entirely different that's, conversation. That's, in the biz, we call this a tease. Yes, and, this will uh, be coming at a in a different point in a different show. So, uh, oh, really, a different show? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, we have oh, to at least tell the people well, that you I, I think he's we were, too p- tall to play quarterback. Let's be clear. I thought we were doing the Gronk thing later. Yeah. Do you want to do the Justin Herbert thing later? As no, the, no, but we can't not tell people what we're talking about. We can just flick at it. Okay, so my pet theory here, and it's not even a pet theory. I think it's objectively true. The amount of quarterbacks in the NFL that have succeeded that are 6'6 or taller— you can count them on like two fingers. All right, that's all we need to say. We're gonna do yeah. we'll do a different show on our Just weird saying. our weird take show. Yeah, we also we have a new segment coming later. That, yeah, that okay. we should okay. say that okay. right now. But yeah. So, but what I'm saying is that you get the first overall pick, second overall pick, something like that, and you hold an auction and you get more players. You already fleece the Bears for Trubisky. Fleece is strong. It was two third round picks. Continue. Yeah. Well, the worst case scenario on that is getting Mitch Trubisky. He's gonna be great. Okay. So. I guess what I'm saying is you get more pieces to build your team. You take the year off. You don't try to win eight games. Or you, just tank, you say, baby. fuck it, and take that Ed Oliver guy who seems like an absolute terrorizer. Yeah, or the best case scenario would be getting both of those things. Sure. Oh, yeah, you trade down and get him at like three. But I'm we've, just saying, we've like, seen that Lynch and Shanahan understand value. I mean, like think about the Joey Bosa scenario. You trade down to the third pick. You get the, the guy you want that if you would have taken number one overall. I completely agree with you. Uh, I, I wrote this uh, on Sunday when I was talking about kind of the level of panic for all these franchises. And it just seemed while watching the Niners that they weren't ready anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always the case that if Jimmy came in and just picked up right where he left off, the offense was one of the three or four best in the league, even like top eight, and the defense made strides. There are areas of that defense that are very good. Fred Warner and Reuben Foster are a fantastic modern linebacker duo. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a strength of your defense going forward. The interior of the defensive line is strong. You know, Solomon Thomas has come along slowly. Hopefully he gets there. They still need another edge rusher. But there are areas of that defense that you feel good about. The secondary has been a problem. You know, outside of Sherman, the fact that they benched Witherspoon, they need another corner. I thought that he had the talent to take a step. He is not the defense was not going to be there in year two. So let's take this year, press pause, get another top pick. Garoppolo comes back. You still have an ocean of cap space, another draft to kind of build up the defense in the way that you want to, and you go from there. I completely agree with you. If Garoppolo comes back, and and we have no guarantee of this because the jury, we have not seen enough from Wentz to say whether or not the ACL is not a problem. The Watson thing, you cannot divorce the the offensive line and the offense from from Watson. So we don't necessarily know. But if Garoppolo comes back next year, ready to rock, and they get an elite player out of this, this could be a a blessing, a silver lining, I guess you could say, to My, the injury. I, I, I agree with that. I think it absolutely could be. My concern here is that you clearly saw how much work Garoppolo still needs in the in this offense, especially. I agree. It's really tough offense to learn. It's extremely complicated and complex. And these reps were really important. And while I feel like on the overall trajectory of their franchise, this is not the worst thing, 
I still would have liked to see him get 16 games with Shanahan because think about Matt Ryan and Shanahan. That 2015 Falcons team was not very good. They struggled. They did not click. They needed that season together to really coalesce and come together. And now the 49ers don't have that. So you set yourself back an entire season with a guy you paid $137 million. And that's tough. I I know that they'll be okay just based on the long-term plan of this team, but I still feel like we can't just say, eh, they, you know what, they weren't getting there anyway. Right. There's a couple different ways to look at this. Wow. All right. Mine is uh, connected to something I wrote about today, uh, which is the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have the worst offense in the NFL. That's true. And I say this not because I think they'll score the least amount of points or they'll finish dead last in DVOA or whatever. Because the really bad offenses have bad players. Really bad players all the way across and mostly a bad quarterback. We are two years removed from Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott being the most exciting young players in football. Now the Cowboys cannot score against the Seahawks. I went back and watched that offense this week. Dak threw 35 passes, 34. A receiver went in motion on three of those plays. They used play action five times. A terrifying percentage of their plays involve all four receivers spread out, three to four, spread out, Mm -hmm. isolated, running an undetermined distance downfield and turning around. That is not an offense. A spread offense doesn't mean putting four receivers on the field in just various degrees of whatever, you know, horizontalness. It's unbelievable to watch that offense in 2018 and then watch the Rams, who use motion on every play, who use a stack or a bunch formation on every play, who on every single snap put their receivers in some position to succeed by way of scheme. I cannot believe how outdated, unimaginative, and stagnant this offense is considering where we were two years ago. So we talk sometimes about the NFL's ratings drop. The Cowboys are obviously consistently high, highly rated. Of course. They'll be in they'll be in uh in primetime a lot this and year. I, four more times I wrote that and Thanksgiving. So oh, the Giants and the Cowboys just keep giving them to us. National Football League. We love Sunday and Monday with the Cowboys and Giants. What I'm saying is that America's game of the week last week was Brian Schottenheimer against Scott Linehan. And they put that on national television. Come on, guys. At a certain point, though. I have enough foresight for that. Like, Jerry gets to count his money. He's going to all year. He always will. At a certain point, do the Cowboys become irrelevant if this is what they are? Or do you just think that it doesn't matter? Like they, the Cowboys are going to be the Cowboys. People are going to watch the Cowboys and the rating is going to be there. And Jerry Jones is going to cackle all the way to the fucking bank. <laughs> I, I I do think they, they do want to win. But what I'm saying generally is that, first of all, Scott Linehan, what's, what's interesting about him is that he was at one point an innovator. He got a head coaching job because he was sort of an early spread adopter. I actually spoke with him about this last month. I mean, he comes from a, you know, Dennis Erickson one back sort of spread them out offense that, you know, obviously Erickson took to to Miami and won a lot with and was high octane. So Linehan sort of understood the early, early sort of 
the early wave of really good, high-powered offense. He understood that stuff, and he took it with him for maybe 20 years. And it's clear to me that that, that offense has stopped evolving. Um, with Dak, you know, he was the, what, a top 10 quarterback in 2016 when he had the absolute perfect situation. The best line in football, the best running back in it's football. part of it. And he had the best, he had some of the best weapons in football. He had Jason Witten and Des Bryant. Des was still in his prime. Jason Witten was still Jason Witten, who was the same player for 15 years. And at this point, I'm getting a little worried about his trajectory because the offensive line is not where it needs to be. I, I, I The long-term health of that, of that group is just not where it needs to be. Zeke is sort of hit and miss at this point, and the weapons are just terrible. He's still Zeke is a very good running back, still. I mean, that, well, I that's know. the only thing I'm willing to kind of say. I mean, he had a very strange 2017. The point that I'm not, I don't. And that's know. that's part exactly. I mean, like, so you don't have any. It's about the marketability of the players on their team. Like Ezekiel Elliott is. I mean, we know we know what that what has happened there. Dak, who knows where he is in the quarterback hierarchy at this point. Tyron Smith is not Tyron Smith anymore. No. He's struggling, and I've, I know, I think Duke Manyweather said this on Twitter, and I feel like it's a very good observation. They changed offensive line coaches this year. They brought in Paul Alexander, who did a disastrous job coaching the Bengals' offensive line over the last couple seasons. It seems like his technique has kind of deteriorated a little bit. The, the health of his back is a concern. No Travis Frederick, obviously. He's a huge part of what they do. Connor Williams has struggled in pass protection. So the offensive line is not where it used to be. So the, the, the play action thing is interesting to me because they used they used play action 22.1% of the time right now. They used it 24% of the time during Dak's rookie year. That doesn't seem like a big change, right? Right. The problem is the way the rest of the league has adopted play action. In 2016, 24% of the time amounted to the fourth highest rate in the league. Right now, 24% of the time ranks 14th in the league. Jared Goff is using it on 36.8% of his dropbacks. That used to be what they did. And now it's just another example of how they have not kept up with the times. Nothing about that offense has changed. And in a league that changes every single week, let alone every single year, it's left them completely unfit to compete. Totally agree. I mean, it's 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 hard to watch legitimately. Yes. We have no investment in the Cowboys. It's hard to watch just as someone it, who it's enjoys watching good football. I mean, it's terrible. Before we move on, let's take a quick break. People always ask me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Not to mention, they have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So, lay down some cash and win big today. You win, they pay. MyBookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free pay on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. 
Now, back to the show. All right, let's move on to the biggest three games of the week. Let's start with Dolphins at Patriots, which imagine saying this was going to be one of the three biggest games of the week when the season started. And I think that says a lot about where the Miami Dolphins are right now. Okay. And there are two things I want to say about the Dolphins after going back and watching them this week. One, I'm so impressed with their defense. I feel like the secondary has played extremely well. Xavier Howard has become a top-level NFL cornerback. Top, top, top level. And it's, they needed that so bad. You know, offensive line was really their biggest hole, and linebacker has been an issue for them for a while. But corner is also a spot where they really have struggled in recent years to find guys. And, I mean, remember they traded for... Uh, Byron Maxwell. Byron Maxwell, when, you know, they, nobody wanted him and his huge contract. They found a guy in Xavier Howard. And the other thing is, their offense is incredibly well-designed. It's very fun. They've used their players in interesting ways. Albert Wilson has been a cool weapon for them. Their running game is incredibly diverse and well-orchestrated. I've been, it's been very cool to watch that. And I feel like Ryan Tannehill has played extremely well. I was wrong about this team coming into the season. I'm readily willing to admit it. So I want to talk about the Patriots really quickly. Bucky Brooks tweeted this out. It's a number from the NFL, which I found interesting. Uh, 589 big plays through three weeks. Uh, that are big plays, a run of over 10 yards, a pass of over 20 yards. That's the most in over 20 years. And it's really, really easy to have an explosive offense. That's why the Patriots are so fun. I'm sorry, the Cowboys are so funny right now. There's two things to note so to note about the Patriots. Number one, oh, the other is, thing I want to say about the Cowboys is their receivers are terrible. I yeah. want to make that mention. Before I thought this that show was implied. Ends. I thought it was implied, but I want to make sure we mention that before the show ends, so people don't think I missed. Okay. Continue. So, the Patriots struggling on offense is so out of character, not just for the Patriots, but for this era, because mm -hmm. they're always on the crest of the next wave. And, and especially they, compared to what they were last year yeah. because they had cooks, they had the yeah. downfield element. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah, and, and you sort of wonder every year what the Patriots are going to do say ahead of the game and the answer as of right now is nothing. And not only that, but we talked about the big plays. No one has given up more big running plays by this metric than the New England Patriots. So, yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit, um, you know, I am not worried about their ability to make the playoffs. I'm not worried about their ability to win a playoff game. But in the context of where this team fits with the rest of the Patriots over the past 15 years, I think it's I think it's among the bottom teams. And that's still high praise, by the way. I think that their offense is unique. And coming in, I thought they could do something very cool with it. And in a way, I feel like that's how I considered them on the cutting edge mm -hmm. is using those personnel packages, understanding matchups, everything else. And they still do that to a degree. But now you lose Burkhead, which he's an incredibly fungible piece for them. Yep. He can do so many different things, line up in so many places. So you lose your versatility a little bit by him going out. Yep. You And then you have no downfield element whatsoever. And the inability to stretch the field. So last year they had both. All these catches to running backs. You have three capable running back receivers in Deion Lewis, Rex Burkhead, James and James White. White. And you have Cook stretching the field so you can work underneath areas and take a shot when you need to. So this year, you lose Deion Lewis. Yep. Sony Michelle is a below-average pass catcher, which when you consider his abilities point, would be surprising. At this point, he's a below-average everything. Yeah, you'd be, you're surprised because it seems like when you look at his body type, like we just assume those guys can catch passes, but in reality, he didn't do that at Georgia at all. And then you don't have Cooks. 
So now you lose all of those elements while only having that heavy personnel package approach. So I think it limits you. And I think that it's the reason that they've struggled. And we talked about this on Sunday show. Brady has been bad. He has been off compared to how he normally is. He's missed two of the exact same touchdown to Burkhead in the back in the right corner of the end zone. And when he's right, he does not miss those throws. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very strange to me. Again, sometimes in September, the Patriots just look like, look like this, and then by October, they look like the Patriots. So we cannot put too much stock in this. But that's why I, I'm start. You know, our boss Bill Simmons is extremely low on this particular Patriots team, and it just bears watching. Moving on, uh, let's get to the Bears at or the Bucks at the Bears. Uh, this is a very weird matchup as well, in the sense that did you ever think that we'd be coming into this game with the Bucks having the best unit on one side of the ball in the NFL so far, and the Bears having the best one on the other side of the ball? Like the Bucks offense against the Bears defense is a really fun matchup. Also, kind of like the old school NFC Central. Yeah, matchup. man. I, I I went to so many Bucks Bears games as a kid. So many. It's uh, the, the Bucks played the Vikings every week from 1996. Oh, I, for me, it until felt like the Bucks played the Bears every week, but yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is a really fun matchup. Um, the Bucks offense is what we thought it was, and I, I, I'm kind of interested to see Todd Monken, baby. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see Mac versus what, what that d- defensive line can do to Ryan Fitzpatrick because. I mean, the Steelers didn't put up much of a fight. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the first player in history to throw for 400 yards in three straight games. That is, a lot of that is the era talking. We keep talking about how easy it is to make big plays, but it is impressive that he was able to do that. Now he goes against the best defense in the NFL with, you know, probably the best defensive player in the NFL right now. It's been so fun to watch how he's unlocked the other guys on that defense. Yeah. Bryce Callahan's playing extremely well. Prince Mark Mukamara is playing extremely well. Uh, getting Kyle Fuller back this week is going to be big. They The only reason they've given up a lot of big plays is because they've had some catches that were contested but well covered. And then last week, obviously, Fuller didn't play. So if Fuller can play, if Mukamara plays, and we're at full strength, I mean, this defense is really fun, man. They're playing so, so well. And, and I'm excited to see what they can do against those receivers. I feel like those receivers have had kind of an easy go of it against the secondaries that they've played so far. And we'll see what happens with Trubisky. I went back and watched the game against Arizona this week, and I watched every throw, and there were some maddening ones, obviously. You know, the th- fade he threw to Robinson when he had the numbers advantage to the outside on the screen to Cohen on the goal line was, it, it makes you scratch your head. He missed Gabriel for a touchdown. And there are some that just are so, so frustrating, but there are others where it's like, all right. You know, he's moving players with his eyes. He's hitting whole throws. There's no doubt about how he can throw a football. And you just hope that it's three games in this system and it can get a little bit better with the talent that he has. And what I watch from that Arizona game again lends me to believe it can get better. And maybe I'm rationalizing, maybe I'm trying to convince myself, but you know, this is one of those games against a very bad defense where you just need to see it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the way I view it. I mean, it, it's not... Totally dissimilar from what we said last week about about Garoppolo against the Chiefs defense. If you can't put points up against that defense, then totally. something is wrong. And so that's that's kind of the matchup I'm looking for at this point. All right, let's get to Eagles Titans. We want to talk about Wentz very briefly, just because we did not on last week's show. You know, the offense was uneven against Indy last week. I also think that the Colts defense is better than we thought coming into the season. You know, Darius Leonard seems like a real fine for them. Their front has played pretty well. 
the secondary leaves a lot to be desired, but I feel like Chris Ballard has done an underrated job rebuilding that team in a very quick manner. Uh, the Eagles offense, I'm very excited to see at full strength. Alshon Jeffrey uh, possibly can play this week, so that's something to monitor. What I saw last week that makes me excited is I am so pumped about what the Dallas Goddard, the Dallas Goddard Zach Ertz pairing can look like in the future. The, those two guys are the that Spider-Man meme, like yeah. in real life. Yeah. And the interchangeability and what those two players can do with that offense, I feel like it can be a super cool approach for this team over the course of the season. I want to talk about the Titans for a second. All right, let's do it. So the last two, Scott Katzmark tweeted this out, the last two games in the NFL, and it happens very, very rarely. In fact, it didn't happen in 2016. The last two games in the NFL in which both teams combined for less than 240 yards were the last two Titans-Jaguars games. Thursday night. <laughs> Feel the excitement. It, it, it really is. Wherever it is, it's a movable feast. Whatever day and time it's scheduled for, it becomes Thursday night. I just, can we ban those two teams from playing? You know, FIFA has this I thing. I really need Marcus Mariota to get back FIFA, and play. FIFA He's has playing this, thing this week, but. Where if, if two countries are really politically uh, explosive, you know, like, you know, if there's two countries that maybe have fought a war recently or whatever, they just keep them apart in international competitions. I feel like we should start doing that with, uh, with the Titans and the Jaguars. Sadly, they play in the same division. I know. It's truly. We need to move one of them to the NFC West. All right. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't Richard the Richard Matthews situation is extremely bizarre to me. You knew that was going to be a crowded room, though. It was inevitable yeah, that but, something like this uh, was going to happen. He signed a one year extension, and then after three weeks, was like, "Please release me due to lack of targets." I mean, that is a crowded receiver group, and they did it. Did he sign anywhere yet, or no? No, he was yeah, released like an hour ago. He's going to be in New England. Oh, without a doubt. What do you think? 120 yards next week. Yeah. I mean, it's almost guaranteed. Without a doubt. He's, he's going to line up in the slot with Edelman outside, and Chris Hogan's yeah. going to go to the bench forever. I, I'm still watching Wentz. You know, I saw a lot of throws that impressed me last week, his ability to cut inside, you know, even stepping up in the pocket, and also just the cuts he made when he was evading pressure, which is very, very he seemed comfortable. Uh, significant. Yeah. He seemed comfortable. I guess we knew he That's would. That's what you worry about. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. And so, you know, he made some weird decisions. I, I do think there's going to be some rust. Um, you know, I did the idea that he's going to come back and be MVP caliber after you know nine, ten months off is is a little bit far fetched. But I, I think he looked as comfortable as you can look after that kind of injury uh, after that much time off. I really want to see Marcus Mariota settle back into this offense because I think that they can be a decent offense. I like the coaching staff. I like their approach. We just haven't seen even a full game from him. The only one we saw was that weird Dolphins game where he got hurt halfway through, yeah. and it was the strangest game I've ever seen. So it, it's something to modern moving forward. All right. Uh, let's get to the Maze Geeks Out of the Week and the Kevin Sneaky Truth of the Week. I want to talk about the Rams wide receivers very briefly. When you're watching uh, this Thursday night game, just pay attention to all of the ways that McVay uses his three wide receivers, Cooks, Cup, and Robert Woods. They line up in 11 personnel almost exclusively, but all those guys do different things and the same things. They will hand the ball off to all three in jet motion regularly. Those guys will line up in bunches and stacks interchangeably all over the field. They will use those bunches and stacks to create separation and man coverage. They will 
use delayed routes that really take advantage of the way that Cup and Woods can change speeds. Just take a look at how many different places those receivers line up. It's such a drastic change to what you'd see from a team like Dallas, whose receivers do not move, they do not change alignment, and they do the same thing every play. What the Rams are is a modern NFL offense that puts its its receivers, who Cook is a first-round pick, but Robert Woods, again, is not the most talented player in the world. Cooper Cup certainly is not, but they're guys who know how to play, and they're put in the perfect spots almost every single time that can be completely maddening for any defense, including one with the amount of talent Minnesota has. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm I don't remember a Thursday night game that's had me more fired up. No, I'm so excited to go. I, I'm really pumped. I mean, it sucks that Tlaib's not playing. We'll get to that, but I mean, it's it, it's a bummer that it, it's not full strength for both of these teams. But um, it's the best Thursday night game I can remember in a very long time. Yeah. All right. So my sneaky truth. So Andrew Luck comes back. A lot of weirdness around that injury, not the least of which is that he went snowboarding and re hurt himself. And we glossed over it. Have you ever snowboarded? I have. I've never snowboarded. Don't you go to the snow places a lot? Lifelong skier. You've never been like, I'm going to I gonna never wanted to ten, waste ten a day bucks. falling down. Don't you fall down with skis? No. No? Not anymore. I don't know. I'm not good at either of those things. No, I haven't fallen on skis in a long time. I grew up in Florida. We don't. We wake skate. Learning snowboarding is extremely hard. You yeah. especially spend an entire day falling on your face. Uh, I don't have that kind of money to waste one. No, I, I, I did it in Utah a while ago. And uh, yeah, fell a lot. Didn't I didn't re-injure a badly injured shoulder. <laughs> you didn't have a torn labrum and you so, weren't an NFL quarterback? Is that what you're saying? So, uh, number fire tweeted this out. Andrew Luck, percentage of passes that traveled 15 or more yards through the air. 2012, 24%. 2015, 23%. 2016, 19%. 2018, 10%. Okay. The other number there is that he has six pass attempts of over 20 air yards. That's 4.8%. That's about one. A couple one, of those have been wide open touchdowns, too. That's about I remember them. one third of what it was the last time he played and he was healthy, 2016. At this point, even though Andrew Luck says everything is fine, and I've seen some, I have seen some some real deep shots down the field that looked pretty good. If you're not going downfield to that degree, it suggests that everything is not fine. I'll say two things about this. One, the scheme has changed. Absolutely, but I mean, I, he. He has the second worst yards per attempt in the NFL. Only Sam Bradford is worse, which means among starters, he is dead last. I, I I hear you. If the scheme calls for that, the scheme is bad. And I don't think the scheme is bad. I hear you. They also had an offense that went down the field consistently on purpose all the time early in his career. They do not have that anymore. Two, he's made a couple. We talk about arm strength all the time in reference to how, how far people throw footballs. That's not arm strength. It's functional arm strength. What kind of throws can you make that have zip on them to certain areas of the field? He has made some throws outside the numbers to T.Y. Hilton on back shoulder plays that really show that he had some giddy up on the ball. I don't know if this is seriously an issue. I have my concerns the same way you do. I'm just saying I'd like to see a little bit more and I'd like to see this season kind of unfold 
And I'd like to see him become more comfortable in the offense and be willing to take these shots by virtue of being, he has only been playing football again for about a month. So the, you, he cannot be confident in every single throw he's going to make in this scheme quite yet. I, I hope that you're wrong. I'd like a little bit more time before I'm willing to make any sort of proclamations about this. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I'm rooting for Andrew Luck. We talked I think we all are. We had the pod two weeks ago where we talked about the best young quarterbacks, and his name came up. The best quarterback in three years, his name came up. We all want him to be good. I'm just saying that the the road is going to be a lot longer than we thought. I think that there were a lot of people who thought that Luck, after essentially you know 18 months away from football, was going to come back and be Andrew Luck. It's going to take a while. Am I saying that his arm strength will never recover? Of course I'm not. I'm just saying that there is clearly he is clearly a different person than he was pre-injury. I agree with that. It's been encouraging to me to see how he's moved around the pocket. He's stepped up with confidence. He's moved around with an authority that's like, all right, that looks like an NFL quarterback that's ready to play again. But I, I, I'm with you on the fact that the throws aren't necessarily in that same conversation. All right, very quickly, we're going to introduce a new segment. Maybe not every Thursday, but every once in a while. And we're calling this the third hour of Sports Talk Radio where we're going to briefly discuss a topic that would only come up during the third hour of a sports talk radio show. Uh, and this one Kevin, is actually from... From the third hour from of a sports, the third talk, hour radio of a sports talk radio right. show. Kevin, right. take it away. I want, I want to... I'm sort of obsessed with this story. So, Chris Gronkowski. <laughs> I love where this is going already. <sighs> okay, first of all, I, do, I cannot keep the Gronkowski straight. No. How many are there? I have no idea what their names are. There's the guy. You could have told Chris, me his name was Rick Gronkowski, and I would have been like, that sounds right. So is Chris the one who played for the Broncos? I know that. Did he play? Was he the one that played for the Bills briefly? I have no played? idea. He did not. He played for the Cowboys, the Colts, the Broncos, and the Chargers. All right, we got we to gotta look into this. All right. His so older brother, Chris, Dan. Glenn, Dan, and Gordy. Gordy? Yeah. I thought Gordy's the dad. Gordy Gronkowski, Gordy Gronkowski Jr. No, he's 35. What? He's the oldest brother. Okay. Glenn played for the Bills and the Patriots. Dan played for the Lions, Broncos, Patriots, and Browns. Yep. And where did Chris play? Uh, Chris, Chris played, played for, for the Broncos. The Cowboys, Broncos, yeah. and Colts. Yeah. Yeah, I, you literally could have told me their names were anything, and I would have believed you. Okay. I have no idea. So, Chris Gronkowski has an ice shaker. What is an ice shaker, by the way? Let me look this up. Continue talking. I, I mean, it's a it's an ice shaker. I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's an it's ice like shaker. It's like a drink maker? Kind of, yeah. He appeared on Shark Tank with it. How can you make an ice shaker better? I mean, you have to ask Chris Gronkowski. So... Chris Gronkowski went on WEEI and said that Rob is... Icehaker.com, by the way, which great get by Chris Gronkowski. Chris Gronkowski said that judging by his facial features, Rob is super frustrated. So he didn't talk to his brother about this. I, I have some questions about this. He said he didn't talk to him personally about it. Do you talk to him about something else, or does he just not talk to his brother because he's grinding on the ice shaker? Or just call him before you go yeah. on the radio. 
He just wants the ball in his hands, Chris Gronkowski said. He can't do it when no one else is open. He can't have single coverage when no one else can beat single coverage. So this became a thing. And Rob Gronkowski had to come out and say he doesn't speak for me. And he ended the sentence with, by his ice shaker, I guess. So they clearly are having an issue. I, I, who's they? Because everybody The, the Gronkowski is. brothers. The Gronkowski brothers. IceShaker.com is having an issue. Bill Belichick's having an issue. The Patriots offense is having an issue. So I'm very, this is, I'm, I'm very interested in everything that's happening here. So this just looks like a cocktail shaker mm-hmm. in sort of like a Nalgene Camelback-esque hard bottle with a little sifter to it. This is not an invention. Yeah, well... It's got the Gronk, I guess, endorsement. Rob Gronkowski, by the way, clarified he did not speak to his brother at all. This that is, is hilarious. Very strange. Here, in his defense, there are so many Gronkowski brothers. Yeah, how, talk, how do you have the time? I don't did, talk to my brothers that often. Uh, you, he has he has three more brothers than you. Yeah, exactly. That it's a t- it becomes a time management. I did talk issue. to both my brothers yesterday, but that's kind of an aberration. Oh, I thought you were joking. No, I, I talk to my brothers decently often. Okay, okay. I, I talked to both of them yesterday. Okay, but I, again, if you played an NFL more. game on Sunday, would you have talked to them? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, unless is there a Gronkowski group text? Like that—that that would be the most efficient way for everybody to keep abreast of the situation. Can they spell? Yes. Well, no. I mean, they can understand. They, I'm sure they understand each other's misspellings. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, they just all misspell the same words. All right. So. Yeah, he says, so I guess by his ice shaker is what he was trying to get to, Gronkowski said. And then he got caught up, in, caught up in all that nonsense. He doesn't speak for myself, and he knows he doesn't. It sounds like he doesn't know he doesn't because he spoke on his behalf. I, this I just, makes no sense. The Gronkowski's becoming, because I feel like the Gronkowski had a moment like four years ago. And I feel like the fact, I feel like we need more Gronkowski's. I'm not sure that's true. I know, I, I, I think we need more of this. All right. Very briefly, let's chat about the Thursday night game before we get out of here. Uh, the keep Tlaib injury is huge. You know, this seemed like a, a team that was spotless across the board, the most talented team in the NFL. Then they lose a top-level corner for half the year. Marcus Peters also banged up. You're going against a team with two excellent wide receivers. I feel like that's something to watch. And the other thing is, this offensive line for Minnesota is becoming a serious problem. Riley Reef is now hurt. After all of the interior injuries they've undergone in the last few months, you know, since the start of training camp, I feel like the Rams defensive line could just eat today. Yeah. So, I, did you see the stat? I didn't know this that uh, teams uh, on the West Coast coming from the East are one and seven on Thursday night when they play. They on the came West Coast. out a day early. Yeah. The Viking. That, that, that the reason I thought that is I was reading that story that the Vikings are coming out a day early. I don't know how much that matters. I think the travel short week. I think it's a little weird. The Vikings need all the help they can get, and that's not going to help them. Uh, the Everson Griffin story is is at this point extremely sad, and I'm extremely worried about that. But I just I, I don't see a way that Minnesota can circle the wagons this quickly. I now the only thing that the Vikings have going for it is that the Rams also obviously have have their own injury woes. I mean, Akib Talib being out for that long is a huge deal. What's the deal with Marcus Peters? I don't know. Is he playing? If only if only we were employed as NFL. Unlikely Experts. to play. Yeah, okay, there we go. So he's not ruled out, but, you know, that unlike, we know what unlikely to play means. And so, yeah, so I, I, I see the Rams winning by maybe 10 points. 
Yeah, I think they still win tonight. I mean, I think the corner thing could come up as a problem. A I still bit believe in the Vikings long term. I do too. I do too. I, I think the talent wins out, you know, eventually. But uh, but again, fun game. Very excited to go. Uh, interesting weekend. You know, a big Bears game. Looking forward to watching it. Uh, we will be back as we always are on Sunday night. So come back and listen then. And until then, thank you very much for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks, guys.